0: Hey everyone, how are you? Welcome to the podcast, Recording Drums with Blair Sinta. Uh, today my guest is Beth Goodfellow. Beth is a really awesome drummer here in Los Angeles. Uh, she, she's a really super musical player. She's doing a big variety of gigs. Um, Iron and Wine and Maddie Cunningham are on her list of, of credits of that a lot of people would know. Uh, She's also a solo artist. She's writing music. And this this podcast kind of center centers around what she's doing in her home. Uh, She's playing marimba, singing um, and looping herself. And it's it's really cool. So there's going to be a little performance that she sent me uh, right after the introduction here and before the interview. So you can check out what Beth is doing. And then we kind of go in depth of uh, what she's doing and, um, a lot of the, a lot of the interviews, you know, begins with us talking about, you know, her, her process for this. And then we do get into talking about how she records drums for her projects. Uh, you know, like we do here on the, on the podcast. All right. My new course, the snare sound Bible is now available for sale. Uh, this course centers around tuning, dampening, Tuning the bottom heads, picking the right head, and then getting six essential snare drum sounds um, that are going to be super useful, either for you trying to find your signature sound and really looking for something that you know feels like you, or working in studios and just being able to get any snare sound that may be desired uh, on a recording that you're doing. Okay, so I'm going in depth with snare sounds. Um, I've given individual lessons on this. In the past and i thought it might be an interesting topic just to dive deep into so that information that i i possess is out there in the world all right so the snare sound bible available on my website all right if you're enjoying the podcast please rate it it definitely helps with the podcast uh leave a comment if you want and definitely share it with friends uh anything through social media is super helpful Just get the word out that uh, this podcast is happening. All right, without further ado, let's check out Beth's performance. Uh, This is just a few minutes, and then we'll get into the interview. All right, take care. Happy holidays, everyone.
1: Thank you.
2: Going out there allows me to just be more. It feels like there's more space mentally and you know, um, geographically to just focus okay. on my inner voice. So, right. and LA is just like man, it's like okay, now we're gonna work and we're gonna go and we're gonna go. And out yeah. there, it's like, huh.
0: <laughs> so tell me about your marimba playing. Um, I, you know, in another lifetime, I played a whole lot of marimba. And
2: <laughs> oh, you did?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, that was like um, I grew up. Well, when I started playing drums, my parents um, were like, "Okay, you can play drum set, but you have to learn." Like my my parents were musicians; they were like, "You have to learn a melodic instrument." So, the most obvious thing was I played a lot of classical percussion uh, orchestras, and I was I actually was quite good at marimba. And the reason I got a scholarship originally to North Texas was because my marimba playing was good.
2: No way! Wow. That's, that's incredible.
0: And I had a Um, badass marimba, but which I left in Michigan, but like at a certain point it was like, well, do you want this out in LA? And I was like, I don't, I can't, I have no space for it, you know? So yeah,
2: it's like having a whole nother bed. Yeah. Like you almost have to have like its own room. Um, What kind of marimba did you have? Is yours a Deegan? Mine is a Deegan. Yes. 19... early teens, twenties,
0: something like that. It might've been that. I don't remember, but it was a really beautiful instrument and it was the old school. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the, It didn't have the resonators that went like that. It kind of, they went up, you know what I mean? So, and it was old, but it sounded mm-hmm. amazing and the bars were in great shape and, you know, oh, yeah. but Those you know, old bars like, I, yeah, if I had to pick up mallets now, it'd be a sad scene. So, <laughs> but you've kept yours up and you've like made something like cool. Out of oh. out of. of, right. Thanks
2: I, Blair. Um, yeah, I, I think that my approach to marimba playing comes solely from my inability to <laughs> play, like, sight read or, like, play anything um, that I was supposed to do in college. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of, I had a lot of anxiety around the whole, you know, play this like, yellow after the rain and, like rem- like, memorize it because I can't really read that <laughs> fast. And, you know, I'm, like, being totally candid, like, I didn't play it for many years after school, just cause it was so, I loved the sound of it so much, but the things that I was supposed to be accomplishing were just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to LA, so like one day, like a couple years in, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna check out Craigslist and see. Mm. And then boom, like it popped up this, like, I don't know if I can, it's like right here next to me. Let's see.
0: Okay you see it? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah,
2: it just popped up. It was like old Deegan Marimba. I went over and I checked it out and the guy had just had it, you know, tuned and refurbished and it was like 800 bucks, which is unheard of now. Unheard of. This is like five, seven years ago now. Um, I'm so glad that I bought it. And then Um, I started using it in just like writing little mallet things for songs. I was writing like little accents, you know, it wasn't like the core of it. Um, But then um, after I toured with, with Iron and Wine, I was really feeling like I wanted to start doing more songwriting, like in a sort of folk sensibility again, like I was just kind of reconnected with poetry and things like that. But I still I can't play guitar to save my life. So I thought, well, why don't I just try the marimba and see if I can like build a, like a sort of chordal singer songwriter, like bed for some lyrics. And then that's, that's kind of where, where things, um, started to make more sense. Okay. As far as like, I love this instrument, but I don't really know how it works for me. Um, and then I've always loved Steve Reich.
0: Okay.
2: Of course. So, um, I started writing these three-part counterpoints that sort of would just like create this kind of drone that was sort of like s- tonally like n- nebulous in the sense that you could kind of imply different chord changes over the top of it with the vocal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then that seemed to to really work for for me so far. So, are, are you? And th- then the pandemic hit. So-
0: yeah. Are you thinking about that harmonically when you're writing, or is it just that's just kind of like how you hear? stuff.
2: The way I think about it when I'm writing is I'm like if I'm writing just for fun and I'm not pushing myself to think vertically, harmonically, I will start with I want each line to have its own melodic integrity. So I'll, you know, sometimes I'll start with an ostinato up on like the the top third of the instrument or sometimes I'll start with the bass line and but I want each line to feel good on its own and then interweave and work together and So whatever is happening vertically, um, I'm kind of waiting for the melodies to lock in a certain spot that's like beautiful to me. Like there'll be, all of a sudden there'll be like, I don't know, the four chord, I'm always like super into the four chord. Um, If that happens, like, you know, by chance through the melodies interweaving, then I'm like, yes, okay, I can, now I can start writing some lyrics and see like what that, it's always, it's, it's usually the music first, Sometimes I'll just write a poem and then see if it links up with any other nuggets that I've started, but okay. yeah, it's kind of my so, approach.
0: All right. So since we're mainly supposed to be talking about recording, what are you using for, yeah.
2: for looping? Yeah. Yeah. I'm using the Boss RC 300 that okay. I, that I just got. Okay. So I, I know everybody uses this pedal Okay. and I've only just started to mess around with it. Um, But I love that it has three separate loopers in it, which really, really, I I love doing things in groups of three. So like when I'm writing, I'll have three lines of counterpoint and I'll usually have three musical sections. And so this pedal allows me to um, have three different like keys going at the same time if I want to. Okay. Like I can build a loop on one pedal in like the key of a flat, and then I can go you know to the key of C on this pedal if I want to, and I can switch back and forth, and that's how I kind of how I like to write too so
0: okay um, and then the, vocal, really, put the, vo- the kind of background vocally things on the third on the third loop
2: you know it depends on the arrangement. Um, sometimes I'll put backing vocals in on the actual you know, uh, main musical loops Uh and sometimes I'll build them at the very end so they don't clutter up, you know, the percussive counterpoint. Um, But yeah, it's just still like a very new endeavor um, for me, but so far I'm really enjoying just keeping it simple. Like I've, I've listened to a few of your interviews um, with other drummers and I really love the idea of not complicating things too much. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just going into a, Um, of 58, like for everything, like I turn, I turn it down towards the keyboard, um, for the mallet stuff. And it just seems to pick it up fine. And then I just sing into it as what's like, everything seems to work with that. Those mics are awesome.
0: (laughs) It's funny because you sent me that video yesterday of your performance, which Mm -hmm. I put at the beginning of this. So people will have heard it already. Um, Oh, great. And it, it, it finally, it, it dawned on me immediately. I was like, wait, you only have a 58, <laughs> like, yeah, cause I mean, yeah. it, it, sounds, it sounds very well mixed and, you know, balance wise and, and you're doing this all in, in like one take, you know, quote unquote. Um, yeah. So, well, a couple questions, obviously you work thing, you work these tunes up, right? So you, yes. can, you know, you're spending time so you can like play the songs. fingers crossed yeah well right i mean that's that's half the key of being able to loop things like you know you know what you're doing before you start you're not just this is not like on a whim right
2: well it would be wonderful to be able to do that as well you know in a pinch like oh shit i forgot what key the song is in can i just make something up but yes this this one that is at the beginning of this episode um i wrote it last year and Um, I think I wrote it last November and so it's a year old song and, um, I worked up the arrangement on the looper a couple months ago. Okay. So yes.
0: Oh, Oh, I see. Oh, so you learn where, where everything goes. Do you write this stuff down or you just kind of remember?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like not to get too far away from the whole recording point of the conversation, but I started writing in Sibelius in like the year 2000. Okay. So do do you know that notation program? Like super nerdy um but Mm -hmm. like at the time I felt ashamed because I was like oh man I'm like I should really be learning how to play my instrument and like I should be in the practice room instead of like at this cafe writing percussion ensemble pieces (laughs) and but I've learned to accept that that's all I really want to do is like write in Sibelius and then finally figuring out that like putting two and two together like oh with this looping pedal I can actually perform like i don't need like three other players Mm -hmm. i can perform it by myself Mm -hmm. um even though having the other players is a goal um eventually but oh okay um,
0: right have a band
2: yeah i mean it would be amazing to have like three marimbaists and vocalists and like perform some of the stuff someday i'm sure that will be possible if i live long enough (laughs)
0: You, you need a u-haul for that touring outfit it's <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. oh my god tell me about it i have to take my marimba to a photo shoot today so it's gonna get torn down but they're pretty portable yeah like the marimba ones are like those things don't go anywhere
0: but yeah but you got older ones. You gotta watch those bars right you gotta wrap them up carefully yes yes you have to be very careful yeah. um, so what is your what is your mixer that you're going through
2: Okay, so I just bought um, this. Is I'm just like pushing myself to just get get this live thing together. Yeah. I bought a Yamaha M. What is it? MG10XU. Okay. Cool. So wait, maybe I can show you. It's like right here. It's okay. Near.
0: So it's four inputs. Yep. This guy. Okay.
2: So yeah. I think it is like the t- the ten means it has ten channels.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Here, let's see. Well. Oh, it has ten, not four. I see. Okay. Oh, I see. It's got XLRs, right.
2: Yeah. The four like there's the called those so there's like wait. <laughs> um, okay, there's these one, two, three, four. What are these called? Where you can put a line or an XLR in them?
0: XLR, yeah.
2: Well, I don't know. Actually,
0: I, I, just XLR. There's
2: like a there's like a fancy name for it if it has both.
0: Yeah, I should probably. But, and then yeah, you outed me. Just
2: <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm. I don't know the name either. Um, and then these these are the other um, six channels over here.
0: Okay, cool. So, but, yeah, but you're literally using one. Are you going to expand? Are there plans to expand or that...
2: <laughs> expand the use of my channel. Well, I mean, obviously I, I could have just bought <laughs> bottom. Bought, bought I could have just bought the four input one for like $100 less, but I'm like, maybe someday I'll have six friends. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I, for now I only, uh, well, I was putting my SPD um, up here to play some, to trigger some samples from the recordings that I've made. Like. Um, string samples and then some backing vocals, but okay. I decided to, to simplify it back down again and just get really solid on the, just the main looping part first without cluttering it up yet. So,
0: you know, what I find interesting is that, hmm. so you just said SPD and I thought you were going to say, oh yeah. So I trigger some drum samples there. Now, <laughs> not I mean, besides like a shaker or, or <laughs> finger snaps or hand claps, are you, are you doing like, you know, drum quote unquote drum stuff? You know what I mean? Well, um... Fascinating. Why? Because, I I mean, I think of you as as a drummer. I mean, I know, obviously, you're a percussionist, but I think of you as, like, a really rad jazz drummer and, like, a... You know what I mean? Like, a super musical drummer, so... That's,
2: um... Yeah, I think... Thank you.
0: Um,
2: I've been like writing songs since I was five and then I did I like picked up the drumsticks when I was 11 and it, it like it just worked because mm-hmm. um, like I said before reading notes for me can be a little challenging for whatever reason I'm just kind of dyslexic with it and it never really I took piano lessons as well uh, my parents as well were like got to learn how to read notes and it just never really like Made sense until I started playing the drums, and I could read the, sh- the the heck out of drum charts, like no problem. Like rhythms are no problem, mm-hmm. but it's just the notes for some reason. So, got on the drum train for a long time, and then actually, when I moved to LA, I had stopped taking gigs on purpose for I don't know a couple years at least until the Iron and Wine thing came along. Um, but I just was playing with We Are the West. Mm -hmm. and writing my own songs because i just got so burned out from drumming up um in the bay area it was wonderful like absolutely everything about it was wonderful but i felt like there was something missing Mm -hmm. and that was songwriting so so yeah i mean this this whole thing is just about me trying to figure out how do i how what kind of songwriter can i be Mm -hmm. and i need to play a chordal instrument to do that alone to like be a proper singer songwriter so this is it. (laughs) This is my solution to that problem.
0: Um, That's great. So you don't, but you don't really think, obviously the setup is super limited and throwing that 58 on a drum kit, not to mention more physical objects to, to deal with, but it seems a little impractical, maybe at least with this setup right now.
2: Well, actually, um, I did a tour, like an indie tour a few years ago with this artist, um, Alina B, and she let me bring not only my marimba, but I put like a drum kit, you know, at the treble end of the keyboard. So I put the kick drum right under like the the upper part of the instrument and then a snare drum off to the side, off to the right hand side. So I'm I'm working on an arrangement of a cover of Jane Says that actually has I like loop. I I do like it's really silly. Like I'm just following my heart. I do like and then I like double that with the kick and snare and then I build the marimba thing and then I start to sing. So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be part of the vibe. That's cool. And it sounds great with the 58.
0: And you're going to rock your, uh, you're going to rock your Steven Perkins steel drum solo at the end of that.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> I've been trying to. There's just something about the like the the guitar and the steel drum that I just can't. The marimba is not the right it's close, like you could see how it would be a cool cover, but, but something about the overtones that, that happen are just so
0: beautiful. I, I love that song. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of like thinking of like all these ideas, you know, like just even one other mic on a kit on the left that you could mute, obviously when you're when you're, you know, so you could you can record drums into the whole thing, and, you know. Oh wait, what just happened? I don't know. That's a cool. Maybe that's me. There's somebody. Are you ringing? I'd be leaning on my keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was like da 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 da.
2: Um. Yeah. So what? Like, how would that? Okay. So my problem is the looper. Um, no, no, no. Okay. I just, I just have to get to know my gear better. Nice. I think the looper only has one mic input. Mm. And it, it doesn't. So let's come down here. So
0: do do okay yeah that's what it looks like i can't see above it just because of the because it looks dark but above that there's not another channel where the xlr goes in where the mic goes in
2: okay right here
0: yeah is that another input yes yeah, so oh that's just one
2: it's just one oh, okay yeah well yeah so and then there's then there's an instrument right left there's an ox and that's it
1: hmm.
2: you know so you could like you it's kind of designed for i feel like it's designed for like guitar players mostly or like yeah. a keyboardist
0: yeah i wonder if there's a way to route it maybe somebody can comment on it like in the podcast or on youtube like i wonder if there's a way oh, to yeah. route it uh, well you could either split the mic right you could have a splitter, so you could run two mics into one one box, which which would then go into a looper, right?
2: Oh, shit. Can I... Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> Can I go from the mixer to the looper and back?
0: Well, I think you could do that, too. Probably a little more complicated, oh. but bus one to another. Again, I mean, I could figure <laughs> this out if I could sit down with you and do it, but there's definitely a right. way to do it for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that would be amazing to like have the capability to have a few different microphones going into the looper. Right. Um, Eventually, that would be amazing.
0: Oh, oh my oh, gosh. That's interesting. Okay. So that's another, that's a limitation that is, is, is being put on because of the looper, which is, which I didn't really. Think yeah. Of. Okay. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it kind of like early on when I was like trying to figure out, so initially at the beginning of the pandemic i started looping in ableton mm-hmm.
1: um
2: and that was my first foray into looping and it kind of like i had to um start and stop the recording process on the looper with either my spd or like a button on a um you know uh, what are they called the interface
0: it kind of button or something
2: yeah. And, and it just became apparent that I needed a foot switch and I know I could probably get a foot switch for Ableton, but like, I didn't also want to have a computer up there and be staring at a computer and like all of that. Comp- like, I just was like, let me get this more analog. Let me get it simpler. So I just bought the the looping pedal, like the old
0: school one. Yeah, no, I get that. I think there's something about the, the, um, the, uh, what's the word the um, Oh my Lord. The, just being able to like grab, grab things and not have them on a mouse or whatever the, what's the word? What am I? Ta- like? tactile? tactile? Sorry. Yeah. Tactile, yeah, no. Tactile analog thing. Um, because whenever I, you know, use my pedal board with drums, like, like I've tried again, tried to do the Ableton thing, but like when you have to grab a mouse, it's too intricate for, you know, moving your arms around and to be able to just grab a knob or a pedal. Yes yeah
2: yes i i I love being able to just step on it yeah and it's like okay i'm already playing you know i can't take time out to like use one of my arms to hit a trigger i need to be able to like i already have the um coordination from being a drum set player to just step on it at the right time so yeah 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 yeah, that's why i settled but then again it presents there's only one mic input. so if there is a looping pedal out there that has multiple mic inputs or there's a way to route it somehow split it somehow i'd love to right have a suggestion yeah have you ever done any looping with
0: a drum Uh, kit or i've screwed around with uh it's funny i'm looking around for it i sold it i had a boomerang for a minute um but with drum kit it's it's hard because you then have to move your foot Right, from your hi-hat, presumably, to that. Right. Tricky. Right. Um, and there's a few guys I've always meant to ask how they do it. Uh, uh, mainly, mainly I've just done it where I'm just running effects through contact mics and not necessarily looping, just screwing around with sonic things, you know, through pedal boards.
2: Oh, what do you think? So I, I was curious if the marimba would be a candidate for contact mics.
0: Uh, you should try right. it because su- first of all, they're super cheap. You can get a pack of ten, like crappy, pickup mics through Amazon for like ten bucks. What? Yeah, and they're all quarter inch, oh. so you can send them into your marimba. But um, yeah, you should try it. I mean, it would definitely be a different sound, you know. But mm-hmm. it, it actually could be, again, you if you wanted to use that sonically. Uh, you'd have to figure out how to get that through your looper, but you could mic it as for a separate just sound option. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Like a recording project or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause
2: I, I always thought it would be sick to like distort the
0: marimba. Oh yeah.
2: Like, like you said, like put effects pedals and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: well, you could do that with the looper anyway, just have a pedal. You can run a pedal board out of there. You just got to get your dance totally. at that point. Get <laughs> yeah, my what? Get your dance on your pedal board dance. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah right, or that. Right. <laughs> <Stepping> on... <laughs> Pay no attention to the feet behind the curtain. So, when
0: you when you yeah. when you've made your recordings, are you doing it like this or are you actually No. It's more like proper recording.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um I I got a couple of the the AEA R84s. Okay. A couple years ago, those nice ribbon mics. And those sound really great on the marimba because they like the pickup, um, the frequency response is, is really nice. Like there's not a lot of harsh highs. It's just real warm. Um, and I also like to use them on the kit. Like, um, yeah, I was listening to your, your interview with Brendan Mm. Buckley and you guys were kind of talking about like, yeah, just find the equipment that works for you. And you know, that's kind of how I feel as well. Like, I love those mics. I only have four inputs on my interface for, for kit drum kit recording. And it's not fancy, but I like, I like how it sounds. It's not going to be everyone's favorite, but
0: I think it. So are you doing that in the house?
2: Sometimes, um, not so much these days during the pandemic, I could kind of get away with it. Like, I (laughs) worked it out with my neighbors, like, Hey, sorry. Like, you know, don't really have anywhere to go. That's safe. Can we like sh- trade some hours? And they were cool. Right. Um, but now that I can go back to my rehearsal space, I just
0: do it there. Oh, okay. And everyone's a little happier, <laughs> right. um,
2: but I'd love to someday have a nice studio like you have.
0: So that's, that's your, that's your, that's your thing for recording drums. You got four, four mics. Yeah. Yep. So you, yeah, I, so you're kind of like is it a thing where you move mics around or you kind of have one setup up, and like that's that's kind of how you do it?
2: I have one setup uh-huh. um yeah, I just found something that felt good to me and i I didn't really mess around too much with it, although people have given me some suggestions that I really want to try, like trying a mic over the kick drum, you know something like I don't really have anything in that position, but that's such a great spot to pick things up um. Yeah, I've just been doing like one overhead and then one mic over the floor tom, like the Glenn Glenn John's thing, Mm -hmm. and then a kick mic and a top snare mic, just a fifty-seven. It's like
0: very. That's one of the best sounds you can get for sure. You know,
2: it's no nonsense. So, and like I know how to kind of get the phase right, and (laughs) the more mics you add, the more. But.
0: And, and the, I but, think yeah. the important thing with that is like, you're a super balanced player. So that kind of mic setup really works for how you play too.
2: Thanks, Claire. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Just try to play dynamically and not, I don't know, like early on, it felt kind of fun to combine samples with a, um, acoustic drum sound. For, but then like, you know, a few years ago, I just focused way back more on like Americana folk, um, acoustic jazz, and not so much on pop and and rock and that kind of recording. So,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. So what kind of recordings are you being asked to do mainly drum drum wise?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, this weekend I have a session coming up with a, um, singer songwriter and it's very much like, um, You know, a lot of mallets um, on the toms, a lot of like ethereal kind of brush work, Um, definitely groove oriented still. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like just painting with random like Jackson Pollock, but it's like um, mellow, kind of groovy. Yeah, like I'm gonna be touring with an artist, Alison Russell. Um, If you haven't heard her record, yeah, it's incredible. There's two drummers on there at the same time, like playing at the same time. Like um, at the moment, I'm blanking on the drummer's names, but um, just incredible record. And so recreating that live is going to be, there's, there's some pocket playing, but there's a lot of like, here's some bells and here's some, you know, like lush cymbal and Tom Tom, like let's make it magical Wow. type stuff, which I think I didn't, really see myself as that kind of player i had to have people kind of put me in those positions over and over again for me to realize like oh yeah this is my strength i get it
0: (laughs) so meaning meaning what
2: like um i moved to la and i wanted to play. like you've worked with some of my heroes like the wilson phillips um like i swear like that was the first cassette tape i ever bought was um their eponymous record Uh um and I just wanted to play, you know, as a, what are those like Lindrums? No. Who's on that record? Is it? Um...
0: You know, I have no idea. Oh, my God.
2: oh, God. I wish I could just Google it really quick. Um, you can. But... You can. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to look real quick. Um, I know it'll pop right it's up. Gotta be
0: one of the, one I don't of
2: know the... why I want to say Jr. Robinson.
0: But... I, I was going to say it's got to be J.R. Or, or, you know, Carlos Vega or one of those 80s
2: oh my god I love Carlos he's like another one of my real you know I love his
0: playing yeah 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 he was incredible um
2: yeah okay discography Wilson Phillips (laughs) personnel let's see uh oh yeah Michael Landau Steve Lukather John Robinson yeah
0: we didn't even have to pick it up
2: (laughs) I knew it was on the t- I just didn't want to be wrong yeah. you know, on the internet, but well, uh,
0: <laughs> don't be wrong on the internet. You will get lambasted.
2: <laughs> <sighs> um, but yeah, like I just wanted to play like that, like big, you know, gated um, snare and, you know, just like
1: mm-hmm.
2: big, but, but it's just not, I mean, that's still that kind of music is still being made, but I yeah, it's just the industry is so different from what I thought, like what my dream initially was. Hmm. And yeah, like, I don't know, like had to adjust so much. You probably even more so.
0: I mean, yeah, that's a whole crazy conversation. I mean, I, I feel like from when I, I moved here in 96 and like, you know, I was like doing a thousand auditions every year. I mean, you know, and uh the, the the idea of the, what the sideman was, let's say in the late nineties and the early two thousands is totally different from what it is now. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were looking for someone who was going to bring personality, their personality, to their project. You were you were, you know, you were kind of influencing the live show, you know, with how you played and and I mean partly how you looked. Um hmm. But how you played, played drums, like when I got played, when I got hired by Alanis, it was like, there was a reason that like, I, that I, I, I fit it at that time. Right. Um, and now I feel like you are, you know, I'm speaking generally, but I feel like more now th- they need to get, they were hiring people to put them in the box that they want them in, you know, Yeah. Not- Totally. Obviously you have to be able to, I mean, I'm not trying to insult anybody, right? Cause anybody that can, can tour and play with a, a major artist is a, is a great player. Right. But I just yeah. like th- your personality as a sideman is less important, you know, especially if you go back to the eighties, like there's a reason Omar Akeem was hired by sting in 85. It's because Omar had like, you know, weather report chops and a great pocket And the, you know, the David Bowie, you know, you know, you know, and and that now I feel like is not valued by business people Hmm. because they want to put Hmm. the singer up front and put the singer in the lights. And if you watch the Grammy Awards, you know, where's the band? Like,
1: yeah, 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 totally
0: not there, you know, so here's my rant, which is like totally not, you know, but fuck, you know. I mean, that bums me out because here I'll say this too. When I saw Taylor Hawkins play with Alanis on the MTV Music Awards in 95, I think it was. I was mm-hmm. like, who the fuck is that guy? Like, and like that drew me into like what she was doing and like went like, oh, I'll check that record out, you know. And like, but that was like part of the reason it was you know, that drew me to her was because of the band, you know, and seeing Jesse totally. throwing his guitars around and shit like, you know, and now they just want to put people in the back and just you know, just, it's, you know, American Idol changed everything. Anyway, I'm, I'm probably going to get fucking huh. killed for saying this stuff, but whatever.
2: No, no, no. 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 I, no. I, I like these conversations because it's just we can, yeah, it can just be we're, having, we're just talking, we're being candid. Um, but yeah, the point about even if it's like a solo artist like Alanis Mm
1: -hmm. like
2: you're watching her band and you're looking at all the different musicians and it's all like creating this experience that makes you want to lean into what she's doing even though it's like Alanis Morissette is the bill right and then I'm thinking about well my favorite band in high school was the Smashing Pumpkins Mm -hmm. and what if Jimmy Chamberlain had been in the dark I mean not that it wasn't like the Billy Corgan show but like Imagine if it was and like you didn't ever see Darcy or you didn't ever see James. Yeah. And it was just like the singer. Like, no, like we want to see the band. We want to connect with all of those pieces. So, yeah. yeah. And I was, I was on a tour once where I was like, why, am, why can't I like see what I'm doing back here? Like, does it have to be this dark? Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, and at, at that point, I was like, let me just like er, go in this other direction because this is weird. Like, I don't want to be in the dark.
0: So, but I get think back to your main point is like you kind of felt like with who you are, like a kind of quote unquote pop style of drumming was not really who you wanted to become anymore.
2: No, no, I'd still love to play that way. It's just that I think I had to have people hire me for these more musically. Musically challenging in a different way type jobs Mm
1: -hmm. over
2: and over again like the first one was iron and wine and that uh, that was like oh my gosh like I'm I'm hardly ever playing a backbeat on the snare Mm -hmm. and yet this is the best gig I've ever had Mm -hmm. and what's going on like just trying to make sense of it like feeling like kind of like I was masquerading (laughs) in a way like like I wasn't like I, I was, I was working really hard in a different way than I ever expected to, yeah. like trying to not play paradiddles, not play flams. Um, I think at one point, Sam was like, he he's like, didn't want me to use any rudiments, but we didn't talk about it in that sense. It was just like, play only single notes on the drums at a time. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. How do I do this? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So that was the first time. And then it just kind of from there, it was like, oh, that's what she does. And then I was like, well, wait, no, I do all these other things, too. But now I'm like, oh, maybe that's his real strength. And I just didn't realize it at the time. And so. Well, you had. Um, with you had record-
0: yeah, I'm sure you had a different type of musicality pulled out of you. Right. Because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have a you have a jazz background and you're, you know, right. That's very rudimental. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was a thing that he was hearing. He was like, "I don't really want that in my music," but he also knew that you were musical enough to, to, to guide you in that direction. And then you probably discovered that, like, "Oh wow, okay, here's a different style of playing fills or texture."
2: Totally, totally. And like, I think like Brian Blade is is a big um, hero and influence on me in terms of like what you can do as a jazz drummer in a more singer songwriter setting. So I just try to think about that kind of energy. Like, it's not so much about like cleanliness, and even though like he's super choppy, but there's a there's a certain type of like like there's waves in his playing. There's like these balls of energy that just kind of keep coming, and I I love that um, way of thinking about it. And did you uh, ever hear him play with steel? No.
0: Yeah. I heard him Ooh. play with Seal once. It was live. I don't know how long he did it, but I was at uh It was really kind of like the first pop gig I had here in LA. I was with this woman named Jennifer Page, and we were in Vegas, and it was like, I can, I can barely remember. It must have been one of those radio performances or whatever. But it was Brian Blade, Tony Levin. I want to say Mike Landau. Ooh! But the way Brian approached pop music was I like, I've never heard anything quite like that. He was really with mm-hmm. the lyric. Um, he wasn't necessarily hitting downbeats like where you would expect, but it also didn't sound like fusion-y. It was just like crazy yeah. Like, like, totally. Him. And I was just like, what? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Man,
2: I got to check that out. I got to find that. Hopefully it's on the internet somewhere. Yeah,
0: I would imagine a deep YouTube dive would yield that reward somewhere. Yeah.
2: You know who else plays in an unexpected way behind um like just songs in general? like one of my favorite drummers, John Convertino. Hmm. Do you know him? He's in that band colexico
0: okay. i I know Tucson. Yeah, yeah, I know the band, but I don't know his playing really. yeah,
2: so like over the pan course of the pandemic i've I've got to do like backing vocals on some records that he's drumming on, and like every time it's like he'll put these amazing accents like on, not on the downbeats. It'll be like right after, but it's not like, um, it's totally always appropriate for the music. You never. And anyway, I I just, that's another drummer that I just really kind of try to copy. Sometimes these days, like, can I put like a John Convertino right here? (laughs) (laughs) Like, but
0: yeah. Have you found yourself because of, you know, the things that sam was pulling out of you have you found yourself playing differently whether it's live or in recording situations and thinking like that more or is or is it in you a bit more maybe
2: well i think just naturally because i had to do um like i had to like be creative and come up with certain types of beats for sam i'll always associate those types of beats with him and his music Mm -hmm. um like we did a, a version of Boy With A Coin where I just played like mostly mallets on Tom Toms okay. and it kind of built over the course of of the song. And so now sometimes I'll think, oh, this is a Boy With A Coin type situation. Like maybe I can, maybe that type of beat will work here. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's almost like a like a folk Gene Krupa. Like, <laughs> yeah. <cool>. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, definitely still have all of the the percussion things that I found at the Goodwills on that tour. Like every town I would be like, what's in this Goodwill? And I amassed this like special bag of percussion stuff that yeah. I'll bring out for certain gigs, not every gig, but right. Yeah. Certain gigs that feel special.
0: I love that about touring, finding like weird, weird percussion instruments, especially when you go international, that's like, Oh my God. You're like, Oh, what is, what is this wacky thing? You know, that some guy in, you know, wherever built. Yeah.
2: Do you, what's your favorite percussion piece that you found on the road? Do you I, still have it?
0: Yeah. In, in Australia, I found this um, shaker, but it's like b- a ball on each end and, and like a stick in the middle. It's like an African type shaker, but it sounds like it's in stereo. So it's like, a it's like a maraca. It is a maraca. But it's one with two balls on, on each end.
2: So you just hold it like this, and then there's two, and then you just go like this. I'll grab it. Ah, okay, sweet. Oh, oh, whoa. Right? Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. So it's a stereo maraca. And that's Australian. Well, I don't know if it is, but that's where I found it. Okay. Yeah.
2: Was it at like a thrift shop or was it? Yeah,
0: I think it was at like some outdoor market thing. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's one thing I miss about touring. Not a whole lot about it I miss. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I know. Record like. <laughs> yeah. Hence the whole recording topic. I'm trying right. to like s- stay loosely connected <laughs> to the point
0: here. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's. I mean, we're talking about music, so that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I found something at an outdoor market in Belgium. It's like this um, giant cowbell, like a like an actual, um, you know, like those, there's like those, all those little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this one's like a big one and it, it has a, a ringer in the middle of it. But um, I usually just put like a bandana around the ringer and just put it up on a trap table and hit it. And it's like kind of clanky. It's kind of, it's just a good... It's a good sound. Is it really deep? Sound Like a low low tone? We can, wait, you'll edit this after the fact, right? Sure. Can I go get it? Yeah, of course. Like I won't just be dead air from it? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me just... I'll go get it. One sec. Cool. I might not know exactly... Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. It wasn't even in my car. I didn't even have to go that far. Okay. Okay. Whew. All right. So this is it. Oh, look at that. It
0: looks like There's a... There's like a little piece of... It's like a Viking helmet. A
2: what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh.
0: Oh wow, the compression is killing it yeah. right now. But yeah, oh. yeah, that's okay. No, I mean it's not. For, it's we're just not getting the tone of it because of. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Nice.
2: There we go. Yeah. See. Everybody wants me to play soft,
0: right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it does it's sound camp. better most your of the camp. time.
0: Whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, let me just let me just breathe on it. Um. Yeah, there were there was like a street market in Belgium, and like the sun was going down. And there were all these like cool metal things on this blanket, and the guy was like wrapping them up. Like,
0: yeah. Wow. That bell. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And there was one pitch or they were just kind of random.
2: Just one bell. There was just one bell. And it was like a bunch of like silverware and like that bell. Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just weird metal things. You can call the bell buckle. Here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, so yeah. how, how often are you recording in your drums? That is in your, in your little setup. Are you, are you doing a decent amount of that or?
2: Yeah, actually. Um, I am. I, it's, it's like as soon as I finish one job, I'll get another one. So it's like, it's not an overwhelming amount. It's just the perfect, perfect amount. I'm really, really thankful that I put some time into learning how to record myself before the pandemic mm-hmm. because I just pivoted like pretty quickly yeah. during lockdown to being able to take that kind of work. So, right.
0: And you yeah. kept space in LA and you would just go back and forth to tucson here or or you weren't in tucson that long i keep oh
2: yeah yeah no i i i actually spent probably half of my time out there during the pandemic
0: okay but if yeah and then work you would come back
2: um actually sometimes like there was one like remember when things were like really really bad in like december january Mm -hmm. i was out there for like oh and like my landlord decided to renovate our staircase so it was like bang, bang 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 and i was like hey can you guys like help me out. I need to like go work somewhere quiet. So we worked out a deal and I went out there and, um, I brought my drum kit and my marimba and I just, now I have like a Airbnb out there that I always get. I know the owner and wow. it's, it's awesome out there. Um, cool. but I shouldn't say that cause, uh, things are getting crowded out there and like a lot of people from LA going. Right. Um, but uh here's something for the whole recording topic okay i (laughs) was trying to like Uh, i um a couple times i got an airbnb in these old adobes okay you know like the style of building where it's like basically clay from the ground Mm -hmm. and then they make bricks out of it and dry it in the sun and then it's like this really old way of building structures Mm -hmm. so um I take my marimba and set it up in there and the reverb and the the sound is just wow gorgeous really amazing um
0: were you, so you were practicing a lot in that space like with that um
2: I was making YouTube videos and oh, I started a Patreon ah yeah so I'd bring like the R84 ribbon mics out there and oh Highland Dynamics do you know Bryce Gonzalez no Oh my gosh. Um, he makes these compressors called the, the BG one and the BG two. Okay. So BG Bryce Gonzalez, BG. Um, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, he lent me a BG two. Okay. Um, and so I'd bring that and do my vocals in that.
0: Okay. And,
2: um, in your interview with Brendan, I heard you ask him if, what's one piece of gear that you have. Right. That, am I am I jumping the gun? What oh no, that's awesome. This?
0: No, no. <laughs> I, I and you just reminded me, I was asking people that and I've totally forgot about it. So that's thank you.
2: <laughs> I love that question. Yeah. Cause it's absolutely true. Like if I if Bryce hadn't lent me the BG2 at the beginning of the pandemic, I would not have gotten to know my voice as well mm-hmm. as I do now. Okay. Because singing into that thing really helped me learn what the capabilities are of compression and a vocal and what does my voice do with it? Um, so that's one of my favorite pieces of gear that I've ever used. Yeah. BG two.
0: And then do you use it on kit too for your?
2: Yeah. I've actually, I've, I like using it on the snare drum, um, especially for brushes. Something like that. Um, it's it's a compressor that has a lot of personality. Like it's not, you know, it's designed to have these different like personalities in it. And yeah, I really enjoy it on the snare drum. Um, Highland Dynamics. I haven't really Highland Dynamics. Yeah, he's just over in Highland Park. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, I'll have um, to
0: check that out. Mm-hmm. Nice.
2: Like once you once you start note, like you'll see his stuff in probably every studio in LA. Okay. It's, it's pretty ubiquitous once you once you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah
0: that's awesome i'm going to i'm going to check that out i'm going to maybe i'll have you introduce me to him <laughs> yeah oh
2: yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah um he he just uh at you know eta that that bar in highland park they just started they launched a record label um of recordings that they've been making over the pandemic Right. Of bands that would go in there. Um, I think like Billy Moeller has one. Yeah. Billy's Um, not
0: like last week, I think maybe, or maybe two mm -hmm. weeks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's the first one on the label They're, They're They put out a cassette and Bryce Gonzalez from Highland dynamics is doing these live to tape recordings with a mixer that he built that basically has all of his like signature sounds built into it. Like the, the BG, like, you know, his compressor sounds and his preamp sounds right. pretty freaking incredible. Like if you ever go to one of those shows that's being yeah. recorded, like check out what Bryce is doing. He kind of sits at the end of the bar and he's got all the wires running back to him and he's got, Okay. yeah, it's pretty badass.
0: <laughs> I haven't been back to ETA since, you know, a while, you know, but yeah. It's always a great spot to go it, for a while. I was like, where the hell am I going to go out? Oh, I'll just go to ETA. <laughs> I
2: know. A yeah. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. Good beer. Good food. Good music.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Jay's there. and Good recording. Jay was there like half the nights. <laughs> Jay Bella Rose.
2: Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm always just trying to play like Jay.
0: <laughs> so many people are right. Yeah. 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 All right, Beth. Well, thanks.
2: Oh, Blair. Thank you for for having me on. It was so fun to talk to you. I hope we talked enough about recording.
0: <laughs> no, this was no, this was like super cool because I had. I mean, I've been watching your stuff online, but just to now, I mean, it's it's like the fact that it, you're you have such a simple setup, but it's really working. Um, it's really cool, and I just think it speaks to your musicality, not only on songwriting, but just like you know, how it sounds so good through just literally a 58, you know, I think it's.
2: Well, for for the video that you're going to share or that you shared at the beginning of this episode, it's a blend of, um, also like maybe, you know, something about this. Um, I'm doing USB audio out okay. of that mixer of the Yamaha MG 10. Uh-huh. into my laptop, but I've only been doing it for a couple of days and I can't figure out why the audio level, the USB audio level is so low. Um, the, the only way that I got the level where it needs to be is I just gained it up in logic when I mixed it for that video that I gave you. Um, so curious, I Googled it, didn't really find the answer right away. Um, people were talking about boosting <laughs> it's
0: it. It's huh? just grabbing it in the room. You mean?
2: Yeah. So the so okay. previously before I bought the mixer, I was going into my Apogee Quartet. Okay. Right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and then into Logic. So yeah. out of so the fifty eight into the looper into the um, Quartet into the laptop. Okay. Totally fine signal. Just you know, I could adjust the signal out of the looper and yeah. get the right proper level easily. So I know that I have a good signal coming out of the looper. Then um, I'm doing USB audio into my laptop purely for recording purposes. Okay. I'm sending audio out on a line out into my speakers for the room sound. Ah. But the USB audio signal is too low. And I don't know how to adjust the USB audio level coming out of the mixer so if anybody knows it'd be great
0: so and it's um, not a, it's not about the input gain coming from the looper
2: n- no because i know i have a good level i, I don't i don't think i'm right. open to it being that problem but right. i know because i had it set perfectly coming out of the quartet or going into the quartet initially but right. it, it was a good level and, it, and going into the speakers it's a good level so it's only that going into the laptop I just need to be able to adjust the USB audio level out and I don't know how to do that on that machine yet.
0: Yeah. So. I mean that seems it's it seems like there should be a knob either that or and if you if you crank the input gain on your laptop it's it probably sounds gainy. Oh, um I don't
2: know how to do that. <laughs> the input gain on my actual like under audio preferences?
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe that has something to do with. Yeah, i try that.
2: I'll try that. Um interesting. Okay. So the, the video that I gave you is a blend of the USB audio gained up and then also the cell phone audio. Oh wow. So I mix those two together a little bit.
0: Cool. Just for Giggles. You got all kinds of crazy shit going on. I love it.
2: <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I need to hang out with some people in real life and like learn a little faster because I'm just kind of like trying to figure it all out by myself. And- well,
0: I think that's the whole point, and that's that's like what I find interesting. I I feel like I say this every time. Like everybody's doing something a little different, but it all seems to work for how they do it. Yeah. So I mean, that from what you're telling me, I've never heard of people doing things like that. You know. So working for you. So I think that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Cool. And that's really, yeah,
2: the- yeah. Yeah. And I just want to like have a setup that I know so well that I can troubleshoot it. If anything comes up, I know what the problem is. That's kind of the, yeah, I want to be caught with, you know, in a live setting with things breaking and me not knowing what's going on. So,
0: right. Right. All right. Are you going to do a gig around town? Anytime soon.
2: you know i'd really love to i i have a show in tucson in january that's like my first solo show with this material and i'd really really love to do a show before that in la even if it's just you know 15 20 minutes of stuff so um yeah i I gotta try to things got so busy again yeah. all of a sudden
1: yeah. I just
2: got so busy so um but I, I i actually would love to do something and i i'm gonna try to but, yeah, the next thing I have is in Tucson, January 18th at the Hotel Congress.
0: Right. If everybody's from Tucson oh, yeah. listening, now they know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about Tabula Rasa? Is that happening? or?
0: Oh, that started again. Yeah, I'm doing every third Sunday. Well, you did one.
2: Wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You did. yeah thank you for.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, every third Sunday. Yeah.
2: Cool. cool That's cool. kind of my okay. one
0: consistent thing, you know. Uh, That's a
2: great gig. Yeah.
0: It's a good, I like playing in that room. It's cool. And then just playing with Danny and Adam is just fun, you know? So awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll, maybe I'll pop in and listen to you guys and
0: have a glass of wine and Yeah, Come get a glass of yeah. wine. Yeah. One of these Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks
2: for having me on Blair. Good to see you. Yeah. Great to see you.
0: All right. Well, I'll, I'll see you soon. I'm for sure around town
2: cool okay so do we just like sign off
0: we just sign off say yeah. goodbye? okay this up so it looks super smooth you know
2: <laughs> all right cool yeah. okay. uh okay bye
0: good day see you